We appreciate everybody using their gifts to bless the church body. So all of those people working with kids, worship team, greeters, everything. We appreciate every bit of it. Okay. (laughs) One moment. I feel short with that thing standing right there, so move it back. All right, that's a little better. All right, I am ready. Today, we're going to talk about lettuce. Yeah, it's the way to get ahead. No. I know, bad, 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 I understand. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to stay in there pretty much, uh, might get out of it just a little bit, but pretty much Hebrews chapter 10. And it mentions lettuce several times in there. And we're going to focus on those verses. And uh, lettuce is very much a part of God's plan for your life. I'm going to prove it today, okay? And we're going to look at five areas where, uh, where lettuce is very important to God. All right. At the end of the service, I'll pick whoever was the most attentive and I will give them end of service. You got to prove it, okay? So that was right past you, Gerald. I wasn't it wasn't pointing at you. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I saw your look. I thought I better clarify. So, <clears throat> all right, let me set this down here. All right, so Hebrews chapter ten. That's where we're going to be. And uh, the first point. Of course, you know there's a play on words here today. Let us draw near to God. There's a lot of let us in, in this chapter, okay? Let us draw near to God. Let me pray, then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord God, your word is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will never pass away. And Father, we thank you that your words are life, And Lord, your word isn't just for the strong, it's for everybody. Your word helps us to become strong. And Holy Spirit, we know that you're the teacher. And we just ask right now, we just invite you to just minister and teach and and reveal the will and the word of God to everyone here today. In Jesus' name, we ask this and we thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. So, the first point, let us draw near to God. Hebrews 10, starting with verse 19, and then we'll be uh, going on through the following verses. It starts off and says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus. Now, I kind of have to give some some Old Testament background to see, you know, what's really, what, what they're saying here. I mean, we can see what they're saying, but yet there's some significance that comes from the Old Testament to help us with this. So, um, unholy people were separated from a holy God, okay? I mean, that doesn't mean that God didn't love them, but unholy people were separated from a holy God. And uh, God wanted his dwelling to be with people. 
That was his desire. And so the, um, the Israelites, when the Lord delivered them from Egypt, you know, and they were out in the wilderness, then God spoke to Moses, and he told him to build this structure, okay, a tabernacle. And there was going to be two parts to it, two rooms. And he was going to dwell with his people there, okay? So um, in the book of Exodus is where we first begin to read about all of this. And we see that these two rooms, they, they were separated. The first one was called the holy place, okay? And in the holy place, the priests could enter daily and minister to the Lord. And there were certain things that were in that room, the holy place, However, God's presence wasn't remaining in that room. There was a time when the, the, the uh, tabernacle was first dedicated that God's presence you know, filled everything, but, but his presence wasn't in the holy place. Then there was this really thick curtain that, defied, that uh, separated the holy place where the, min- the priests could come and minister to the Lord. Thick curtain. And then there was the most holy place on the other side, or holy of holies. And in that room was the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, okay. So the Ark of the Covenant. And that had, uh, uh, God told Moses exactly how he wanted that uh, constructed. And uh, this, uh, this Ark was very interesting. And we've got a picture. We'll take a look at that. I don't know if it looked just like that. Okay, but, you know, there's a picture. And inside the Ark of the Covenant were the stone tablets. The the Ten Commandments were placed inside the Ark of the Covenant. And then the covering or the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat. I like that. The mercy seat. And then you can see that on the top there there were two cherubim. Their wings were spread out. And actually, Scripture tells us that God's presence, his literal presence, would reside between the cherubim on the mercy seat. See, God wanted to dwell with his people, but he was holy and they weren't. So he was with them, but yet he wasn't because they were separated. There was a curtain. Now, the high priest he could go into the most holy place. But he did that one day out of the year. One day on the Day of Atonement. And so he would have to sacrifice a bull, and then he would bring the blood of that bull through the curtain into the most holy place. And and that blood was to be a sacrifice for the high priest's sin. And he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. It's interesting that the commandments were down below, which people couldn't keep. Then there's the mercy seat. Okay? And then the blood on the mercy. It's all a picture of Jesus. So anyway, uh, after that, there would be a goat that was sacrificed. And the blood from the goat, the high priest brought in and sprinkled on the mercy seat to, uh, for the sins of the people, for the sins of Israel. Now, that was one day out of a year. Today's verse is taking this 
knowledge that they would have had concerning the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And it's saying how this new covenant is greater. And Jesus fulfills everything. So, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, the place where God's presence is, church, God is telling you, you can have confidence to come into the very presence of God any time, any day. You don't have to come in groveling. You don't have to come in, you know, saying, you come in by the blood of Jesus. You're covered, you're cleansed by his blood. You can have confidence to go into the very presence of God. I'm talking about in prayer. Let me tell you, when you enter in time of prayer, you are entering into the very presence of God. You can do it with confidence. Not because you're perfect, but because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you. Oh, it's a beautiful picture. And it goes on to say, that this curtain... You know, it talks about uh, a way has been opened up to us. Okay, it's, it's talking about the curtain. Jesus has opened that curtain wide. There is no separation now between God's people and God's presence. Okay, that's been done away with. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us, Through the curtain, that is his body. Jesus' body became the sacrifice for our sins. His body has opened the way for us to come, again, with confidence into the most holy place, into God's very presence. We can draw near to God. And in our text today, the writer is encouraging the people of God He's encouraging them. He's reminding them, hey, let us draw near to God. We can do it. A way has been made. It's open. And since, uh, slide five, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Not with a sacrifice anymore. Jesus was a sacrifice. That's done. There's, Jesus died once. For all sin, for the whole world. Now, under the old covenant, they were offering sacrifices constantly because they really couldn't take away sin, covered it, but you know, they had to keep offering sacrifice. No, that's Jesus is the one time sacrifice who takes away sin. So, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Man, you can. You can draw near to God to receive forgiveness and cleansing. You can draw near to God just because he's your father. And you want to spend time with him. Do you enjoy spending time with your God? Man, I hope you do. Man, he has made a way. You did not make this way. I did not make this way. He did it all. 
because he wanted us to be with him. He made the way. We draw near with a sincere heart, not a prideful heart. What can we boast about? God, you're just so blessed to have me. Man, I'm such a good catch. (laughs) No, I don't think any of us can say that. No, we, we we don't come into his presence with a prideful heart. And we don't come into his presence through tradition or ritual either. It's not by doing certain things that gets us into the presence of God. No, that's, that's all done away with. It's just a sincere heart. God, I have put my trust in Jesus. He is my hope. He is my only hope. You made the way, and I so want to just be with you. Just a sincere heart. Sincere means without deceit, without pretense. It's genuine, just a genuine heart. But it goes on to say this, in full assurance of faith, coming into his presence, genuine heart, sincere heart, with full assurance of faith. New Living Translation says it this way, let us go right into the presence of God with true hearts fully trusting him. We can do it. Then it goes on to say this. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, what is that all about? Again, we're going back to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and there were things that they did at that time that these words are drawing from. Okay, so I I think it's talking about, uh, in, in Numbers chapter 18, it talks about the uh, red heifer, okay, and it's and it's they were Moses was to take a red heifer that was without blemish. This was this animal was sacrificed, and then its ashes were mixed with water, and they were called the water of cleansing. And so, if somebody became ritually unclean or defiled, the water of cleansing. If if somebody became ritually unclean or defiled, touched a dead body or, or different things like that, could that could make them unclean. They could not be in the with the people of God, worshiping the Lord. They had to go outside the camp. Okay, they couldn't worship God with the people of God. But this this uh, water of cleansing would be sprinkled on them. You know, you can read all about it. I'm not doing an in-depth study today. But it would cleanse them, and now they could come in with the people of God again and worship the Lord. So the blood of Jesus does it all. It does it all. The interesting part here, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from what? A guilty conscience. Do you realize the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ cleanses your conscience also? And I want want to camp on this for just a little bit, and then we are going to blast through the rest of this message, okay? But as a Christian, we should not be carrying guilt around. As a Christian, 
If there's something that happened in the past, and I don't know how long in the past, but something in the past, and you just keep carrying the guilt and carrying the guilt and carrying the guilt, that's unscriptural. And it's not God's will. Jesus paid a very high price. Jesus gave everything so that you could be free of the guilt. There's always consequences to sin. You know, there's consequences. But but you don't have to carry guilt. And I'm I'm going to be real. I'm just going to lay this out. As I was preparing this message, I felt like the Lord spoke to me in one area in particular. I felt like he said, there's going to be some people there tomorrow that they are carrying guilt and they have been doing it for a long time because they feel like they didn't raise their kids really the way they should. They felt like they kind of, you know, in their own eyes, they kind of failed in some of the ways they raised their kids and they have carried this guilty conscience day after day after day. And the Lord just wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. Don't carry that. The the blood of Jesus cleanses. You give that to God. And you know what? God deals with things now. He gives you direction now. He shows you what to pray now. But you don't need to go into his presence feeling guilty and weighed down and burdened as you're praying for your children. Let that go. I hope that ministers to somebody, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to say that. So, so I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there, okay? But our hearts have been sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Now, if you're carrying anything else, something that's happened in the past that you haven't really forgiven yourself, stop it. Stop doing that. God does not, it does not want you to keep beating yourself over whatever happened. He forgives. He wants you by faith to embrace his forgiveness. He wants you by faith to press on to what's ahead, forgetting what's behind. And he'll take your life and do what he's going to do with it from that point on. Okay, so let's not be carrying guilt around. Cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Some of the commentaries I read on that verse thought that that part of the verse was actually talking about water baptism. How that's the, the new thing. Uh, in the new covenant, we're water baptized. So I'm not totally sure. But you need to be water baptized because Jesus said, believe and be baptized. So, so we do what Jesus said. All right. So let us draw near to God. Once a year. Every day. May have to do it several times a day. Sometimes we wander off and we have to get back. Okay, so but let's just do it. And don't let the, the devil, who is called the accuser of the brethren, don't let him weigh you down with guilt and regret. Don't listen to him. He doesn't even really like you. He never does you any favors. Yeah, don't listen to him. So, Let's say our first point together. Let us draw near to God. Okay, we only have four more to go, but they're going to get shorter, okay? I made a commitment to do shorter messages this summer. 
<laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what really happens. But last Sunday, man, after I was done, you guys shot out of here like a bullet. And I thought, you know, it's summer. Maybe I'll just shorten things up a little bit for everybody. So anyway, point number two. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Oh, hold on to your hope. It is so precious. It is so precious. Verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Is faithful. That word hope, the Greek word is elpis. And it's, it's hope not in the sense of an optimistic outlook. It's not just trying to be positive, okay? Or wishful thinking that doesn't have any foundation at all. That's not what we're talking about. It's the sense of confident expectation based on solid certainty. And it's talking about the promises of God. He said these things, and we confidently expect them. That's the hope Hope is like that. It's a confident expectation. Listen, we have the hope that Jesus will be with us in this life. Amen? Amen. Hold unswervingly to that hope. We have the hope that Jesus is going to return one day. Right? And some days it's like, oh, Jesus, any time now would be great. Okay, but we have the hope that Jesus is going to return. It's It's a blessed hope. We have the hope that if we die before that happens, we just go to be with him. What a hope. Hold unswervingly to this hope that we profess. In a Bible study entitled, It Had to Be a Monday, Jill Briscoe writes about the death of a Christian friend. During the funeral visitation, the deceased man's wife and sister stood by the casket, greeting people. The sister kept motioning to her brother's body, saying to each person who came to greet her, There he is. There he is. After some time when the wife could stand it no longer, she turned to her sister-in-law and, in love, said, If I believed there he is, I would be miserable. Then she added, Do you know what enables me to get through this day? What gets me through is the fact I know the truth. There he isn't. (laughs) Hey, our hope is when life is over, we're not just a body that goes to dust. We're with Jesus. We have a hope. Let us draw near to God. Every day, a way has been made, a beautiful way. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Unswerving, that word unswervingly, you know, I was trying to think of a great illustration and I really couldn't. All I could think of is like when you're playing, you know, cars are going at one another and you know, chicken, you know, and it's like, well, that's not a great illustration. That's kind of, but really, when the, when the devil's coming at you with all this stuff, you just hold unswervingly to your hope. He's going to have to turn quick. You're not going to, okay? He's the one that's going to have to do it. When the devil tells you that you've got nothing to live for, look him straight in the eyes and tell him, I have a hope and I have a future that is straight from God. 
Hold on to your hope unswervingly. I tell you what, when depression and discouragement start telling you that you just should just give up, and I know what happens, you need to look depression and discouragement right straight in the eye. You could say a lot of things, but this is the one I have. It's actually 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted him to him until that day. You've got nothing. Oh, I've got so much to live for. You should give up. Why? If God is for me, who can be against me? I tell you what, hold unswervingly to your hope. I read yesterday, or it was a couple days ago, and it was sad. I read it on, on the news. The 17-year-old girl in the Netherlands went through an assisted suicide. Assisted suicide. She'd lost all hope. Seven, what 17-year-old doesn't go through ups and downs? You know, and she had had some tragic things happen into her life. But uh, this room is filled with people that have had some tragic things happen in their life. Yet Jesus makes the difference. You're not alone. You're not without hope. You don't have to go through life with this anchor of guilt, shame, or pain and injury. Jesus. You know, a a wick that is smoldering, Jesus said, I won't snuff it out. A reed that is bent, it's gone through life and some tough things. He said, I won't break it. He's our healer. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Three. Well, last part. He who promised is faithful. (laughs) Okay. He is faithful. Our third point. Let us spur one another on. And again, when I think of spur on, I think, okay, the poor horse. <laughs> but, you know, spurs digging into the side. Ah, no, but, okay, wrong, bad illustration. But we spur one another on to, to what? Love. I have not reached the pinnacle of my ability to love. Thank you for not saying amen. I really appreciate you not saying amen right then. You haven't reached the pinnacle of your ability to grow in love. But you know what we do? We spur one another on. You know, when somebody's kind of grouchy and grumpy, you know, it's like, hey, you're awesome. It's going to be okay. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. God's still got some great things he wants to do through you. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. God has some great things, some things that will change people's lives that he still wants to do through you. Let's spur one another on to love and good deeds. All right. That was a quick one, point three. Point four. Let's keep meeting together. I say to a room that's half full. (laughs) It's it's summer. I know. I understand. Okay. There's no guilt. But nobody's going to be camping every weekend this whole summer. Okay. (laughs) Going to be here sometime. Sometime. Let us keep meeting together. That's verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together. Oh, my goodness. This was written 
almost 2,000 years ago. That's a long time ago. And that long ago, God instructed that this would be in his word because even at that time, this was happening. Some people were just stopping meeting together. That's been a long time ago, but it was happening back then. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't get into the habit of skipping church or life group, home group, whatever avenue there is where Christians gather to encourage each other. Don't skip it. It's summertime, okay? I, I, I get that. I don't have a problem with that. But I... It's sad that at the end of summer, some people don't start coming back to church again on any sort of regular basis at all. And it's like, am I sad because there's less people in church? Well, I've never seen it turn out well for people to miss church a lot. Now, I'm not saying to get off into some you know, terrible thing, but there's something about getting together and worshiping the Lord together. You just, it's just kind of a refocusing, and it's a re-energizing, and, and we were never meant to be lone Christians anyway. You know? It, the letters in the New Testament were written to churches. If they were written to an individual, it was for a specific purpose. Timothy, he's a pastor. He's getting pastoral training and counseling and stuff. So we, we need each other. I was excited to see how many people signed up for life groups. I didn't know how it was going to go. You know, you believe the best, but you, you try stuff. A lot of people signed up. A lot of people went to life groups last week. It was awesome. Amen. It was awesome. We're going to have them all summer long. I want it to be a strengthening time. I want it to be a refreshing time. You know, you'll have fun. I don't care if you play board games or not, but pray for one another. You know, needs will come. Don't miss that opportunity to pray for needs. Let us keep meeting together. Uh, that's the point. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And then the next part says, but let us encourage one another. Wow. Let us encourage one another. You know, that's even listed as one of the giftings that God gives. Some people have the gift of encouragement. Now, I haven't seen anywhere in the scriptures where there is a gift of discouragement, okay? So, so if you, yeah, that, that gift doesn't come from the Lord anyway. But, but let us encourage one another. Let me read this story. I, I was impressed by this story. Obviously, this happened several years ago because... A teacher had taped one of the students' mouths shut. That wouldn't happen today, okay? <laughs> Years gone by, yeah, that could have happened. <laughs> okay, Sister Helen Morosia writes, In an earlier grade, I'd taped Mark's mouth shut for talking too much in class. Now he was one of my students in junior high math. <laughs> wow, what a combination. His class had worked hard all week, by Friday, the students were getting cranky, so for a break, I asked them to write the nicest thing they could, they could about each of the other students and hand it in. I compiled the results for each student, and on Monday, 
I gave out the list to the class. So everything that had been written nice about this child, that list was given to that child. Okay? Several years later, Mark was killed in Vietnam. After the funeral, most of his former classmates gathered with Mark's parents and me for lunch. Mark's father took a wallet out of his pocket. They found this on Mark when he was killed, he said, and he carefully removed a folded, refolded, and taped piece of paper on which I had listed the good things Mark's classmates had said about him. That happened in junior high. And he kept it all of those years. And he kept it in his billfold. Evidently, he'd opened it up and looked at it several times because it had been folded up several times and taped. That's the power of encouragement. You know what I'm saying? Junior high, and then when he was killed in the war, he still had that list. But the story doesn't end there. Charlie smiled sheepishly and said, I keep my list in my desk drawer. He had still kept it all those years. Chuck's wife said, Chuck put his in our wedding album. His list was still there. I have mine too, Marilyn said in my diary. Vicki reached into her pocketbook and brought out her frazzled list. She was still carrying it since junior high. The power of encouragement. And let us encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. That means the closer it gets to Jesus coming back, let's just keep encouraging each other more and more and more. It's powerful. It is powerful. Let's not be fault finders. Let's be encouragers. I know this might be shocking to some of you, but I have some faults. Okay, now that laugh was just a little bit too boisterous. I have some faults. God's working on them, you know, and by his grace, I'm cooperating and letting him work on those things. But you know what? God isn't constantly pointing out my faults. The devil is, but God is not constantly. God wants to encourage me. The devil says, you'll never change. And God says, you're mine. You're a new creation. I can do anything in you. Just trust me. Oh, encouragement is so powerful. It is so powerful. Well, let's go to our Outline, the last slide, and we're going to say it together. All right, there you go. Say it together. Point one, let us draw near to God. You don't have to make a way. God made the way. And you can come with confidence. I'm looking at the clock. I am keeping my word. Oh, we're going to done early. Let us draw near to God. Let's say the second one together. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Don't ever let the devil take your hope away. Don't ever let circumstances take your hope away. Because Jesus is our living hope. It's secure. It's secure. Point three, 
Let us spur one another on. Let's just spur each other on to grow in love and doing the things that God's called us to do. In this church, I would love to see every single person doing something in this church. Life is not just in this church. I know it's outside and there's jobs. But if everybody has the mentality, my ministry is my job, there will be nothing that gets done in the church. So, but I would love for everyone to do something. Serving. Good deeds. All right. Point number four, let us keep meeting together. You did it. You're here. Awesome. You are the special people. No, no, no. no I don't have a problem with summer and you know, enjoying the summer. But hit a life group during the week if you're going to be gone on the weekend. All right? And when the summer's over, get right back here consistently. All right. And the, number five, let us encourage one another. Okay, well, I think I have covered all of the points. Let's see. I was praying about how to close the service. I have so much extra time. Wow. Um, do we have a song? For the- Worship team, come on up here. Come on up here.